1: From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's November 10th,
0: 2017. You're listening to the best, longest-running, most awesomest podcast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza, And I'm Scott Long. So, uh, you, uh,
2: you had some celebrations to do last night. From when I was there. Uh, Well, yeah, of course. It was a wonderful election night here in Florida, and uh, one of my friends in Ohio won as well, too, and um, and uh, not to be political, but other races around the country, I was very pleased with. Yeah. But, but no, we had fun last night, got the wife out to do some election party hopping. She's uh, She was apprehensive about doing it, but she had a good time, and now I think I've fully got her into the whole political world now. So, And uh, the Penny for Pinellas thing passed, which we wanted. That's absolutely amazing yeah. for our community. I mean uh, for our whole county, but yeah. certainly for, for my city as well too. That's fourteen and a half million dollars for our city over the last ten years. So
0: Yep. And you know, and if you do the research most, a lot of a third of it or so is tourist paid anyway, and then you know, all the staples don't have taxes anyway. So when you think about all the stuff it does for the community and the parks and the kids and everything, it's 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 a no brainer.
2: Yeah, it was kind of interesting that there was a little bit of opposition who uh, were waving signs stuff, and stuff, uh, and I had to believe that they were, like, anti-tax people, and that's fine. No one likes paying taxes, right? I don't like paying taxes. Right. But this was a third of it paid by tourists versus you paying for all of it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> doesn't quite seem to work out why you would, but anyhow. anyhow. <laughs> anyway, that's not poker, but poker.
0: we were concerned yeah. you'd be hungover today for the show, so that's why we brought it up.
2: over on happiness, thank Yay.
0: you. Yay! But you're back home now, that's good too.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, until tomorrow.
0: Mm. But- <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and then I'm home until the cruise, so. Yay! But, but yeah, so I, I just got back from uh, the wonderful Pearl River Resort out of mississippi where we had yet another successful uh antia poker tour series there and uh continue to do two a year out there and always fun going out there this one was even more fun for me because our 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 good friend and frequent cruise passenger big joe borden actually drove 12 hours up there just to see me um and then once he got there he decided to play poker yeah (laughs) and i thought that was really nice you know cuz who's going to drive 12 hours just to see me and fortunately it happened to be a casino so he could he could uh you know play poker while he got there too <laughs> but, yeah. um and very happy for him too he uh, he cashed in the main event i think he finished 25th or something like that and uh, made just enough money to pay for his poker <laughs> while <he was> there. <laughs> and i was egging him on to get in the last tournament he still had a chance he busted out of the main and still had time to get in the uh the last tournament of the series and I was like, yeah, there's your opportunity to pay completely for the trip, your hotel, your gas, and all that. And uh, I don't think he did. But but anyhow, it was, it was fun seeing uh, him come up there and uh, a lot of familiar faces up there. I mean, they, they get a lot of the same players up there every year, so I'm getting to know them as well, too, including the, the final table was full of people that I knew, so which was really interesting. But uh, Michael uh, Monaghan, uh, speaking of somebody that was familiar... Um, he was the chip leader going to day two and won the main event. So that's kind of hard to do to come in. You would think it'd be easy when you come in as a chip leader in day two, but I've almost never seen it happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, some people are gunning for you, and you still have to play almost perfect poker. I mean, you can't just you can't just sit back on your laurels. So it's it's not easy to do.
2: And that's exactly what one of the one of the players I'll mention here a little later. He was uh, we thought he was going to be the chip leader going to day two because uh, he was, he had a really good first flight. Oh, uh, and I'm like, hey, that's good. And he's like, No, man If <laughs> that's a bullseye on your back. Yeah. Rather than have to be the top. So yeah, it's very tough to actually um uh, go wire to wire like that. But uh Michael did it and um and what was really interesting about his win is uh in the spring when we were up there for the uh Pearl River uh, spring uh up event, he was the chip leader when they got to the final table there. And looked pretty dominant, and then I remember this so painfully—not as painfully as he remembers it. <laughs> uh, really, three brutal beats in a row where he had the best hand all in, and the worst hand caught up. Like three hands in a row huh. knocked him out. Um, took you know massive amount of chips out. He finished eighth, and then as soon as he got knocked out, everybody else did a seven seven weight job. <laughs> oh. So, oh, man, it's brutal. But uh, it did not happen to him this time. He actually played really, really solid and uh, didn't have uh, uh, very much bad luck at all at the final table and uh, won. And um, it was a fun interview. He's a quiet guy, um, and uh, he plays very methodically. And I was really impressed by that. So, I, you know, I was asked, And in the interview after, I was, I was asking about that. And he's like, man, I used to play online poker all day long. <laughs> like, I... <I've, laughs> The beats I've seen there, I can't even describe. <laughs> like, there's literally nothing a player could do at the poker table now to put me on tilt because of that. <laughs> I love that because that's, that's really the right attitude to have for poker, right? Yeah. It's, and, uh, you know, because people always talk about, hey, online's rigged. It's not rigged. It was just a lot. You play a lot, so you see a lot. And the people that can get past the, oh, it's rigged and just focus on, hey, this stuff happens. I need to be able to deal with it are the ones that are still successful now that without Black Friday. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. very good example of it there. Um, and then uh, last year's champ, uh, Brian Wilson, uh, he won the main event, exactly the same event last year. He came in second in chips this year. He was the one I was talking about, and they didn't want the bullseye on him. And uh, he was really, really gunning to uh, to win it two years in a row and uh, got it all in with pocket sixes, and somebody woke up with pocket tens and knocked him out in six this year. But uh, that's a pretty good run a year uh, as well, too. So, impressive. very impressive. Um, all right, so a couple other things uh, to talk about that I thought were interesting. So, uh, for folks that remember back when we previewed this on the show, we mentioned the new item, a new tournament they added this year it was called the Double Up. And it was a midweek one. Midweek's always kind of tough there to get people in. So, um, I really appreciate that uh, uh, Paul and Neil and Denise and everybody that put together that schedule were real creative and trying to get people in. So, uh, and I thought this was a really interesting idea. And the idea was uh, when you cashed, and let's say you won $100, or maybe more than that, uh, let's say you won $500, right? Mm
1: -hmm.
2: You had the option of either taking $500 in cold, hard cash. It sounds like Monty Hall here now. (laughs) Uh, Oh, or behind door number two. Um, No, uh, or you could take $1,000 in casino promotional chips. And uh, for folks that don't know what those are... They're essentially funny money chips, but you can use them at any of the table games. And then, uh, so let's say you play a hand of blackjack and you put one down and you win. They're gonna pay you in real chips and then take the promotional chip so you can't use it again. So, um, so, you know, you'll end up, no one's not gonna make money, uh, or not gonna get money back on there. It's just a little bit of a gamble whether uh, you'll actually get the money that you could've or win a whole lot more. Um, And uh, I thought that was really interesting. And, of course, it's very interesting from a um, um, uh, procedural standpoint, too. I won't get into that, but it's a very smart thing for the casino to do as well, I think, too. Uh, unfortunately, uh, no one took the promotional chips. Now, I know back when we first talked about this, I think you were probably in that camp, right? You were, yeah. you were a burn-in-the-hand kind of guy, right? Yeah. You don't even want to look in the bush to see how many are in the bush,
0: right? No, no.
2: Uh, well, that, that's, that's what happened here. And then another thing I didn't know happened uh was interesting, though, was that um, – they gave everybody at the final table of the main event $500 in promotional chips. You didn't have to like, sacrifice any cash. It was just a gift uh, for making the final table, which is super nice. And I don't think people really understood where they were. And it looked like our champion, Michael, actually, I think, ended up buying them all up from everyone. he <laughs> 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 ended up with $5,000 in the promotional chips there, uh, which was kind of interesting. But uh, it was disappointing to see nobody do it because I would have liked to follow and, and see how well they did and see whether they they made more money off of that than not. But you know, no one did, it. but uh, but again, uh, we, we give credit for creativity, right?
0: Well, I mean, the most interesting thing here was that your imitation of Monty Hall sounded just like you. It, it didn't <laughs> sound like Monty Hall at all.
2: All, all my impressions sound just like you. Yeah, me. I know.
0: Or like that's, your dad. I don't know. That, that's we, why I wear we, costumes,
2: because I had to make <laughs> myself... That's right.
0: Uh, you know, it's an interesting concept, and if you have gamblers at the final table instead of just pure poker players, you might see them take it up on it. Uh, and then I think Michael was smart buying them all up, Um because he yeah, got pennies on the pennies on the pennies on the dollar yeah, there. Sure.
2: Yeah, sure. I, I didn't hear the actual deal he made. I heard the discussion, but I didn't hear the actual deal he made. But I'm sure he he's smart enough to know that he probably made a, a pretty good deal on it. So, yeah. And then, uh, then
0: you go gamble with those. And then, yeah. you know, turn that into, it's like a free roll almost for you. And then, you know, so that was pretty smart. So you probably made a bunch of money on that, too.
2: Yeah, on top of the $25,000 after, uh, after the, uh, they did a little four-way deal when they got down to four-handed. But um, it was an interesting deal. They... They wanted to guarantee everybody fifteen thousand at that point, which uh would have given uh fourth and third a little bump and taken just a little bit off of top, which I think was like thirty five or thirty seven, I think,
1: Mm -hmm. for first.
2: Um, but then they 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 made it a little bit more confusing, so they ended up with fourth place, ended up with like sixteen and a half thousand. So it was a really good deal for for that woman, Dallas, uh, who had a great series too. She finished uh uh third in the first event which was a hundred thousand guarantee, did uh, got a ma- made a, a nice little chunk of change on that and then finished fourth in the in the main event too so um but anyhow uh, a couple other things uh we, we mentioned big joe right so i had a, uh had a beer with him uh the second night i got there and uh he satellited in to the main event um And then busted on his first flight, and then he said, hey, I brought my 800 to buy in, so I'm going to buy in for another flight. And then, as I mentioned, he went in and ran it to 25th place, which is really cool. Um, But he played played a satellite, and uh, (laughs) he's like, "Uh, Scott, help me understand the story. So uh, now I'm going to ask you, Chris, to help me understand it because I think it's un-understandable. Okay. All right, so here's the deal. It's a main event satellite. Uh, eight people get uh, the $800 buy-in main event seats, right? Right. Uh, one player, the ninth ninth finisher, gets 316 Um And so they're down to nine left, so everybody gets something now, right? hmm Eight people get the seat. Uh, the next person that gets knocked out gets $316, right? At this point, the chip leader speaks up and says, hey, I never wanted to play the main event anyhow. Side note, why are you doing it in a satellite? Yeah to win a seat if he didn't want to be, right? And he's like, hey, if you guys give me $600, i am done, I'm out, and you guys can have the seats. And Joe uh, said two players posed the deal, said no.
0: Well, all right, so let me get this straight. So if he gets 600 he's essentially taking the 316 then asking asking the, the remaining guys to put up the other, uh, essentially, $300. Yeah. So
2: right.
0: they have to all pay... More money out of their pocket to get their seat that they're probably going to win anyway if they're not short stacked. So, if you're like the main leader of this thing next to the chip leader himself, if you're like second and third place and you know you're going to get your seat, all you got to do is sit there and fall asleep. Ah,
2: Okay. Why would
0: I want to spend another, what's 300 divided by, what is it, eight, nine less, so eight? So you're looking at almost 40 bucks each. I'm saying to myself, why am I going to give you another 40 to get my $800 seat that I'm going to get anyway? So, I can see two guys saying that.
2: Okay. That's probably the two then. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I was thinking of just locking it up because from my point of view, I got in this tournament to win a main event seat, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't want to take a chance of not getting it and getting $316, which means I'm going to have to come up with another 800 on top of the 90 or 150 or whatever it ended up being at that point. It was a $90 buy-in with $40 rebuy, so it depends on how deep you were into that. Uh, so an extra thirty or forty bucks or whatever, just lock it up and be done, uh, and guarantee me getting in. That seems like a better deal. But uh, you know, I suppose you're right. If you are second or third, and you're just in lockdown mode, um
0: yeah. Well, I just figure the chip leader's got a million chips. You have nine hundred ninety thousand, and the two short stacks have fifty grand each. I'm going to give you fifty bucks, so or forty bucks or whatever, so I can save my. I'm getting my seat anyway, so I would say, yeah. why would I give you more money when I know I'm getting my seat? So I can All see right. them doing that. Now
2: makes sense. It might be somebody who doesn't have any money on him too. Is obviously the chip leader doesn't want to play. That doesn't mean that he won't play, right? Seat, right? So, and I don't know if the seat is transferable. I don't think it was there. I think, I think they did it like a lot of rooms do, where your first one is you have to play, and then you continue to do satellites. And if you win a second seat, then you get the cash for it. So obviously that would have been the case here because he would have just hung on and got his eight hundred instead of suffering for six hundred, right? So, so yeah, I guess that wouldn't have worked. You wouldn't. Have, I was thinking maybe you could. Uh, Get his seat on the cheap if you got knocked out. Um, that, so, hmm. Yeah, Sorry. you know, oh, and,
0: sense, and some people may not have the money. He might be like, hey, this is all I brought with me. You know, uh, I'm not going to go hit the ATM, pay a fee, get 60 bucks out of the ATM. You know what I mean? So there could be reasons. I mean, I don't think it's, it's unexpected.
2: Well, I'll tell you this, though. If I am ninth in ships at this point, and it's safe to say in a satellite that you're probably on fumes of your knife and chips here, right? Right. <laughs> the the satellites are not deep stacks. You're, not, you're not, you don't have a hundred big blinds at the final table, right? Right. I think I might be become the biggest salesman of the life at that point, trying to sell people on this deal at that point, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah. I mean if you know you're getting three hundred and you want to play in this thing bad enough, you might say, Hey, I'd be willing to pay your share the two your two share of 30 and 30 so i'll pay 90 of it and get my c for 800 and i'm making a 500 hundred dollar profit so if i knew i was going to go out you know yeah. but if they're all kind of evenly because that's what happens a lot in satellites too is most of the guys are the same on chip stacks. so i don't know i can definitely see situations why these guys would say no i can also see situations where they're all like it's a no-brainer let's just get this taken care of maybe talk the guy down to like 500 right you know or whatever and then you know, then you're only paying like twenty bucks or something. So,
2: well, I think the other sales pitch too is this guy, the chip leader thought he had a lot of leverage, and apparently right. <laughs> realized quickly that he had no leverage. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure he won his seat uh yeah you know actually i didn't ask i was so flummoxed by this question in which you answered so quickly so you should have been there and, and <laughs> this, so that'll be history <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: all right well, another interesting thing this, this is something that, that that i just noticed at this tournament but i've noticed at every tournament i go to and i don't think we've ever asked for it asked about it on the show or talked about it on the show so i'm bringing it up now you know uh when people are all in right and then uh somebody at their table looks at other cards and they like it right and they're like all right give me a count right why is it that there's always like two people at the table that shout out a number <laughs> and it's not the person that who's all in right. That might actually know exactly how many chips they have. Right. <laughs> you have like two other people that are going go, it oh, yeah, looks like a 500 K to me. I'm like, Okay. Well, that, that's wonderful. Thank you for that information. Um, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to let the dealer actually count down and give me an exact number. But you know, thanks for being the amazing in there.
0: <laughs>
2: entertaining us here at the final table. Uh-
0: I think that, uh, one, it's absolutely wrong. You should not be saying anything. Uh, but two, I think the reason they're doing it is because they're either impatient or they're just a know-it-all, captain-of-the-table kind of guy who just has to tell you everything. Um, but it's absolutely wrong. You should never say anything. The whole reason, most of the time, people asking for account count are looking for the person's reaction. They well, want to see if when they count care. their chips, if they're nervous, if they don't have any idea, what kind of player. There's all kinds of reasons why you might be asking for that count. They don't even care about the actual number. They want to see if the guy gets nervous and makes the dealer count it or gets some sort of reaction. And and to you to just pipe up and say something, it's none of your business. You're not in the hand. Quiet.
2: Yeah, I think it's just a natural reflex from people. You know, People want to be helpful, right? So they're like, and they look over and they're like, oh, okay, 500000 <laughs> <laughs> And usually the people that shout it out, this is another interesting thing I've noticed, is the people that shout it out are usually pretty close. I may not get it exact, but they're they're in the neighborhood. They When you say 500,000, the count comes down to like 510,000 or 490, right? Yeah. It doesn't come down to like 200,000. <laughs> uh, but, anyway, I just thought that was interesting. I saw that happen a lot this week, and uh, I, I've always wondered about it. So. It could be,
0: too, that that's what they do all day is they count chip stacks so that they know where they stand in yeah, hands, and yeah. you just <laughs> happen to do it and say,
2: oh, I just counted their 500. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm saying. It's almost like a reflex. Yeah, kind of thing. yeah. but I'm keep your mouth shut.
0: They're it out <laughs> keep your mouth shut.
2: <laughs> and then I thought this was interesting. Um, so uh, I was hanging out there, and uh, this woman was talking to me, and... Uh, Another woman came up and was asking me about our, our cruises coming up. She wants to do a Hawaiian cruise, and I'm like, "Please make that happen," because I'm not going to be able to sell that to Chris and Ramsey without some help. <laughs> so I was talking to her, and then this other woman came up and she and she was like, "Scott," uh, so the, that one was like, "Hey, we, we love Annie Up. You guys do a great job." I'm like, "Oh, thank you very much." So this other woman sitting right there, and she's like, "Well, I really love Annie Up, and the reason I love Annie Up is because I met my boyfriend here a year ago." And we're still together, and she's like, I, I was recently widowed at the time, or no, I don't know if she said recently, but she was widowed um, last year, came to play the uh, tournament, um, met a dealer there, and then they started dating, and they're still together, and they were there again this year. He was dealing Aww. with lion.
0: An anti up love connection. Aww. We'll be back in two and two. <laughs> I'm Chuck Woolery. That's awesome. That's a great story. Nice little story to end on there. That's that's awesome.
2: Yeah. Good good. luck for that couple. Hopefully, Next year, we'll see them, Though it'll it'll be like two years now. they're married. Yeah. (laughs) That's cool. All right, so in the little, I don't want to say less happy news. Most people say it's less happy. I guess not everybody does. But uh, Chris Ferguson, who is one of the former owners of the now malign Full Tilt Poker, has won the World Series uh, Player of the Year title after an impressive summer of 17 caches in Las Vegas during the WSOP followed by six more, including a bracelet at the final WSOP Europe event of the year. Uh, while Phil Hellmuth was quick to uh, take to Twitter to congratulate him, few others in the poker world uh, were, with many taking social media to criticize Ferguson for never apologizing for what happened with Full Tilt. Now, we always get in trouble talking about this, because we always seem to be a little nicer to these guys than people want us to be. Um... So I'm just gonna say, I, I, how long does this guy have to go before people? I'm not saying people should be excited that he won, or happy, or tweeting selfies of them with him like Phil did, but uh, are people gonna hold this grudge forever?
0: Well, you know, Chris Jesus Ferguson from Messiah to Pariah. Ah,
2: eh, I mean, pretty good. You've been waiting all day for that. Waiting all day.
0: Uh, it looks like the poor community isn't ready to turn the other cheek just yet. <laughs> <laughs> You you know if I'm being honest i'm I'm actually more upset that our friend and nanny up supporter John Reisner, lost a race to him
2: yeah, close yes
0: you know yep. I mean, he he's from Tampa, he's on our friends we've played poker against him with him, whatever and he's he's won our patch he's been in our magazine, he's on our cover um just just I was so sad that he didn't he didn't win the race um but as for ferguson i I think an apology rather than defiance would go a long way toward being forgiven I, you know, obviously he's got game but not a social one. You know, I when people, when people say to him, you know, where's the apology or whatever, and he turns around and says, "What do I have to apologize for?" I mean, I think people, a lot of people, were made whole eventually by poker stars, but you know, he was an owner of a company who hired a person who screwed uh, thousands of people out of money, out of. You know their their ability to play online, and I realize that the DOJ ultimately came in and were the ones that shut it down. But the fact that you are one of the owners uh, supposedly took a huge bonus, like right before everything got shut down, and then doesn't even like come out and say, you know, you know, we started this business, we were, we were, you know, we didn't really know what we were doing, whatever or however you want to word it, and then say, you know, I'm really sorry everyone went through this. It, it, we feel terrible, blah blah blah, but. Uh, everyone is just I read a lot of the the tweets and the and the reactions and
1: pretty sharp right yeah <laughs> yeah
0: and I, I mean i understand you know people are he's he's going to have to be able to play poker you know that's what he wants to do and he's a right to and it's not like he's in jail he didn't get charged with anything so that there's that going for him but the players you know we're we're a loyal bunch you know we 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 you and i and our company were loyal and you know people take their hard earned money and put it on a website and say, Hey, I'm gonna trust you with my money So I'm gonna trust that you're hiring the people that I can trust too. And when you don't when you hire someone who doesn't do the right thing by your people, you need to stand up and say, Hey, I'm I'm sorry this happened. You know, we just we just we thought we had the right person, we thought we had the right plan. And we made a mistake. But the part it's hard to get by is if you really did, you know, pay himself, or they all paid themselves a ton of money, and then found out that the money was frozen, they should have given that money back willfully, and they didn't. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know how long he's going to have to go before people are going to forgive him, but it's 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 probably not, it's still fresh in their minds.
2: Yeah, I think that maybe the last point was an was important one for you to make, because, uh, again, I, I, I have no affection for this guy any more than anybody else, and so I really don't care, other than I, I just hate some of the tweets I thought were just like vicious, you know, like there are like we just saw this guy like mow down twenty some people in a church, uh yeah, probably a worse person <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right um so let let's save the like the the really vitriolic tweets for for those idiots um and maybe a little less vitriolic uh, for uh this one, but anyhow, it doesn't really matter to me either way, but well, I think what's interesting is you're right. I, I uh, Apology goes a long way, I think, and humility in these cases, even if you – I mean, obviously, he's very defiant that he had no idea this was happening, right? Um, so he feels like, hey, I didn't know what was going on. I got bamboozled just like you guys did, um, so I don't have anything to apologize for where, you know, a good PR consultant would be like, hey, <laughs> swallow your pride a little bit and just understand the empathy. You show empathy. Yeah. Uh, was that they got hurt by this, even if you didn't know. That might go a long way. But I would argue Howard Letter did that. He actually went and tried to apologize. I mean, I know people didn't like how he apologized, but he tried and got vilified for trying to apologize. So I can understand maybe there's a little risk there on his part saying, hey, you know, people already hate me. Now if I try to apologize, they're going to hate me more because of... (laughs) Me trying to apologize, so I think that's what's kind of messed up. Obviously, the whole fell tilting is much more messed up than anything else, but I think it does show something about our society now, where even if you attempt to apologize, you get brutalized, and it leaves you almost no option. Now, I you're think right. it was could have just written a check, and that might have made things a lot better. So I'm not arguing that, but there there should be some. Some compassion, some understanding for an apology, and not making it worse. Right? Well, I
0: think people. I think the thing too is that when he was confronted, people said, "Where's the apology? When are you going to say you're sorry?" And then he said, "What do I have to apologize for?" That's the thing. It's defiance, right. and that's the problem. It's like, hey, you know what? I think even the worst person on the planet can come come up with a reason why you should say you're sorry. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: And so, and and so to tell me that you really can't even feel sorry for them or feel bad or whatever i mean i'm not saying he didn't say that i i don't it was years ago it's hard for me to remember the details but i can see why people are upset you know and and if if if, if the record shows that he never actually came out and said to all the full tilt people who were affected i am sorry this happened to you i'm sorry that we didn't make better decisions and i hope you know this helps hit the healing or something. That'd be that would go a long way with a lot of people. He may get fried for it from some, but you know what? No matter what you do, people on the internet are emboldened by their anim- anonymity, and they just love to say whatever they want to say anyway. You know, uh, I don't know what would make it go away. I don't think it'll ever go away, but eventually, I think. You know, and I, I, here's the thing, to And I don't, I don't always like to make this show any longer than it already is, but we when we talk about these things, let's say it was me and you. Okay, we're like, we're, we're, we're business partners, we're very good friends, and let's say you made a huge mistake, not, not with my company, but to our people or something. Somehow you made a huge mistake. Right. We are friends. We've Definitely. known each other, we've gone back more than a decade, and we play poker together, we've started this great business together and everything. You made a mistake. And even if it was like, say you had some sort of corruption thing with your city commission or whatever... And then, like six months, you know, you know what I'm saying though. I mean, it's something removed from our relationship, though. (laughs) Right, right, right. right. And uh, six years from now, you happen to be, you know, you didn't really do anything wrong, but this thing happened, and you were part of it somehow. And now you're back in office again, or whatever. And I run into you down the street. I'm taking a selfie with you and saying, "Hey, I'm good to see my friend Scott. You know, I'm happy for him that he's back in the the political scene because he could do a big." You know big things for our people, whatever blah, blah. whatever it is right I'm not gonna right. turn my back on you, you're my friend you know and if if Helmuth and Ferguson are friends, then I don't see any problem with hum Helmuth saying, hey hey the guy want to brace congratulations he's gone through a lot too, he's been made this pariah and whatever, and he's my friend, and maybe he's trying to heal it too, saying, hey, if Phil likes him Phil thinks it's all right, you know I don't know i'm not I'm not I'm not looking for an argument here, I'm just saying if my friend Scott got into trouble and then he had some goodness happen in his life, I'm going to be happy for him, you know, I mean I'm going to be sad that he did something to these people or whatever and say, hey you know, I, I don't I'm agree with the way you angry. handled it, but
2: be angry. Yeah. yeah,
0: but but you're still my friend and something great happened to you and it's six years later, you know I mean, how long does this guy have to not have friends be happy for him, you know or whatever, so I'm not giving Helmuth any crap, I'll tell you that
2: yeah, I think that was interesting because Daniel Negreanu disagrees with you. <laughs> yeah, I saw his. Tweet. So yeah, I mean, his tweet was couldn't find time to grab a selfie with Harvey Weinstein, uh, Harvey Weinstein, Chris Brown, or Bernie Madoff. Next right. best thing, I guess. All right, yeah. funny. Yeah. All right, um, and all right, so we could uh, Bernie Madoff's a good comparison, I guess, because <laughs> it's financial. Right. The other yeah. ones weren't financial. I right. mean. Right, abusing, abusing
0: somebody sexually and abusing somebody physically is not exactly
2: right. the same thing. So I don't know what where that is on the rank, but they're not the same. And then even the, the Madoff, uh, I mean, Madoff knew exactly, he was the perpetrator. He right. knew exactly what he was doing here. Um, from all accounts, Ferguson didn't know, so he, his blame lies in just not being an active owner. Um, not letting him off the hook, just saying, it's a little different. So uh, there is a degree here of anger that I think is a little bit ridiculous for the, the level of the crime uh, when you have tweets like that going out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right. Well, if you'd like to be one of our monthly magazine contributors and represent Up in your home area, apply at com slash ambassadors. We have an immediate opening in the Northeast. We've added two more Up poker cruises to our 2018 schedule, including a summer sailing to Cuba. All passengers on all sailings get a commemorative coin souvenir uniquely designed for each sailing by ThePokerDepot.com, a one-month membership to Advanced Poker Training, and a quick reference poker odds card from TheGamblingSchool.com. For more information, visit anyupcruises.com. Each week, we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at anyupmagazine.com, and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. comes from Ed Rindler. I can't wait, because now I can let you do some talking. Says, I have heard you guys talk a lot about Chinese poker and open face Chinese poker over the years, but I have never heard you guys clearly explain how the point structure works. I downloaded a Chinese poker app that is four players, and I have no idea what I am doing uh, when looking at the scoring. I also have an open face Chinese poker app that is two players. With the two uh, with the two players, I can see what beats what and the scoring for the most part. It is still confusing when figuring out royalty points, but the scoring becomes infinitely more confusing when adding a third or fourth person. Can you try to describe in a way that would make sense? No, I can't. But I know <laughs> someone who can. And by the way, before you get into it, yes. it's dying. I don't care what anybody says. When I used to get tournament results... And find us. There would always be open face Chinese poker. There'd be a Chinese poker.
2: Now, now I don't see those results hardly ever. Anymore. yeah it's because it's a tough game to play tournaments. Yeah. Know, yeah, which I've always admitted. I've always enjoyed the Chinese tournaments that I play, but it, it's it's difficult to run because there's other considerations which I'll get into in my answer here. Um, and uh, it's not a profit. Uh, it's not a profitable tournament for tournament or um, for the casinos. Casinos to run and certainly not profitable as a cash game. So, um, so yeah, it's probably not as popular in controlled environments. Um, I would argue that it's probably just as popular still outside that. But, but there's other reasons people play it. I mean, we played on the cruise just because you know two or three people can get together and play. Where yeah. you need full
0: table ten or whatever. Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, but anyhow. So I I my answer to Ed was like thank you that makes perfect sense so hopefully I remember exactly that so I'm not confusing anybody here. Uh first of all I sent him a link to to Google Google's a wonderful thing that has all the points on there so um so I'm not going to go through all the points uh and the royalties um th- those are easy to find online so to to do that. But where I think people get confusing is is how you pay off. And so you have to treat and first of all the the, the first app he mentioned uh four players that's closed face Chinese poker no one plays that anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> delete that from your phone. Don't play that. Everybody plays open face now and open face can have no more than three players in it. So um uh, oh I guess it could have yeah yeah three. Um uh, so anyhow um uh, but so you have to think you're playing against each player individually. That's where I think it gets confusing for Ed and some other folks. So when the hand is done you know, I think he used the example of his wife and his brother, right? So uh he compares his hand to his wife's hand, and they pay off each other. And then he compares his hand to his brother's hand, and they pay off. And then his wife and his brother compare their hands and pay off. And it doesn't matter what order you do, except in a tournament, which is why the tournaments are really difficult, because then you have table stakes and that. So it doesn't really matter what who does what as long as you're playing um, you're not playing table stakes and you can pay which almost no one plays table stakes and you, and you just pay off that way so um, and you could print out the royalty points and have them there it's good to understand the royalty points because it affects the strategy quite a bit yeah um, and, and same with fantasy land and those things so those are important to understand but i think it's just the paying off that confuses people because if you sit there and watch i mean we have people on the cruises that come over and watch us play and they're like we can't we'll never figure this out <laughs> yeah. and it's just because we we know it reflects uh, you know it's a reflex to us to pay off and and, and you have sometimes like all of us are paying off each other at the same time and just throwing chips left and right. And because we know what we're doing. So, um, but if you're actually at home trying to figure it out, you want to be a little bit more careful about it. But, um, but that's really it. I think, you know, it's, it's really, I think it's a fun game. It's, it's, I taught my wife in a, like an hour and she still plays it with her friend and neither one of them are poker players. And they still play together when they, when they travel together. Um, And invariably when uh, they're traveling together, I get a, a message from her. Hey, Remind me of the scoring. Yeah. So I had to send her to a website for, so they have the scoring. But that that's really the top thing. Um, but just understanding who pays who and how that works is a, a good step forward, I think, for folks that don't understand the game.
0: And don't delete the Chinese, regular Chinese poker app. It's still fun. <laughs> <laughs> and it's less confusing, and it
2: whatever. is. But now that you're playing open face, it's a whole different strategy. So, so you know, you I still a have a different strategy for
0: stuff. stud than you do for hold'em. You could play two games.
2: Yeah, but no one plays the close face anymore. So I still have both on my phone, and, and every once in a while, I'll open the close face, and I'm like, I fall asleep before the first hand's done. It's just not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, like, you go, hey, you've got a uh, you've got chop uh, here, or you've got the Flamion over here and, oh, don't get rid of the hamburger. I'm like, no, nope. pretty sure I'm always going to have the flay. Thank you, though. Well, wait,
0: though. Does the chop steak
2: have a juice? Uh, that's true. Because it does. I might want that. Well, it, either that or syrup. You can never tell the difference.
0: <laughs> Find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been? Email us at com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. This week's prize is a 30-minute telephone lesson and workbook from Thomas Gallagher Casino Seminars, which specializes in poker odds and math at poker911.net. comes from Mike Gimo. He's in a 1-2 no-limit hold'em game. The river card completes my four-card nut flush, and my lone opponent checks. As I go to push all my chips in the middle and nearly had them across the line, he throws his cards angrily into the middle of the table face-up, and they nearly landed in the dealer's chip rack. I pull my chips back, pass the dealer my cards face down, and the dealer pushes the chips his way. I ask for the floor as my opponent clearly mucked face up and out of turn. The floor ruled in his favor, but the angry table got my opponent to give me half the pot. What was the correct ruling?
2: Wow, that's an angry table there to, wow. to give you half a pot. But, wow. Uh, all right, Ellie no, says, based on the situation you described, I failed to see how your opponent was awarded the pot. There just has to be a missing piece of information that was not included. If nothing was left out, the wrong player was awarded the pot pure and simple. You were in the process of betting, and your opponent sent his card to the dealer without saying a word or moving a chip, and then somehow the dealer pushed the pot to that player that released his cards first. To top it off, the supervisor backed up the dealer and confirmed the awarding of the pot to that player. Just went down, as you said, that poker room owes you half a pot. Hopefully there are other card, room, uh, card poker rooms close enough to you uh, to make not playing there a viable option.
0: That's just insane.
2: Yeah, again, Elliot might be right. Maybe there is something missing here. I'm going to give Mike the benefit of the doubt that he's telling exactly how it happened, and if it is, I would be livid. I would be livid. Wow. I
0: mean, it's like the dealer thought that he was showing him the winning hand, and and our guy folded it, and so he looked up, saw two cards face up, saw the other two face down and said, oh, he must have folded and passed in the pot, and then they wouldn't listen to reason after that.
2: Or it could be I mean we've had a couple call of fours like this right where the dealer is like a know-it-all and and is all a te- uh technical on it and you know remember that one where like you know I see nines and fours
0: oh I see yeah
2: yeah <laughs> fours or whatever that 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 Deutsche bank right yeah. maybe that's the same dealer here that's just like all right well, you got to show me a winning hand i guess you didn't show me a winning hand so i'm going to give the pot to this guy even though he flung his cards all the way over here out of out of turn and didn't make a bet <laughs> Um, I, maybe that's what happened and then the supervisor that got called over was the one that trained the dealer <laughs> so they're sharing a brain Um, but yeah if, if it went down that way that's just absolutely terrible but here's the good thing for Mike uh, I would have got nothing out of that I would have stormed away before the table got angry enough to give me half the pot so uh, I, I give Mike credit for sitting there long enough to, to squeeze a half a pot out of this guy I would have been out causing ruckus <laughs> Yeah, that's
0: when you know there better be security in that place.
2: <laughs> I mean, I mean, there are called the floors where I know people are upset, but they're the right ruling. Um, I know that there are called the floors where people are upset, and it's the right ruling, but both the dealer and the supervisor are mortified because they know that they the dealer caused the mistake, and right. there's nothing to do about it, right? Right, right. And people get upset about all those things, and they should, but this was just blatantly terrible if it went down this way. And so... You know, I could be calm about the other ones and you know, maybe I need to walk around and calm down a little bit. This one would just send me over the edge.
0: Yeah, that's that's insane. That's that's just too bad. Oh, we have a new O'Malley's move. Here it comes.
1: Hello and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are seated in a $1, $2, no limit hold'em cash game. This is our home game and it's a pretty friendly one. We bought in for $200 and currently sit with $175. The game is six handed. There's a live button straddle to $4. The small blind calls, big blind calls, and we're under the gun with the eight of spades, seven of spades. We call the $4, it's folded to the button straddle, who checks, and we see a flop of the six of spades, four of spades, tray of diamonds. The blinds check and with $16 in the pot we are at our first decision. The button is a solid player who likes to play things tricky. Just because he didn't raise pre-flop doesn't mean he doesn't have a solid hand. He likes to play different hands in all types of different ways. We're going to check here with the intention of check raising. We normally would put out a bet here but we know this opponent will see bet this flop and this is probably our best chance at ending the hand we check and the button makes it $10 to go leaving him about 250 behind it's folded to us and we think for a short time before making it $30 to go our opponent begins his typical talking trying to get a read on us we remain still and silent he finally decides to call and with about $75 in the pot the turn is the deuce of clubs so there's $75 in the pot We've invested about 30 into this one and have roughly 140 behind. What's the move? It's time for the advancedpokertraining.com
2: hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at dot com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Longtime listener, first-time contributor, Vic G. <laughs> Uh, all right, he's playing a nine-handed one-two no-limit hold'em game with a four hundred dollar max buy-in at his local Florida poker room on a Friday afternoon. It's a very passive table with a lot of older gentlemen. Um, I see, you know, I'm always curious, you know, when people call my wife a lady, and I always snicker a little bit because I know. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm like, I love her, but she's not a lady. Nice. Uh, uh, she loves me, but I'm not a gentleman, right? So but uh, so Vic is being very respectful here because I'm sure some of these older folks are not gentlemen. But anyhow, uh, he's at a very passive table with a lot of older gentlemen. I seem to be the only active player opening pots. Um, oh, your little Skype pieces in the way of it. The, there we go. Oh, sorry. Uh, opening, <laughs> opening pots for raises and position and taking them down with no resistance. I sit with $550. A new player is seated two to my left. And bought in for $200 a few hands ago. He's young, has mixed it up uh, on a few hands, and still has about $200 in his stack. From little I've seen of his play, he seems to be trying to play the player and bets when he senses weakness. Three players have limped into the pot, and we're in the hijack with King of Diamonds, Queen of Spades.
0: Well, they sound passive. Uh, I don't see reason. Let's let's just raise, make it like 12 bucks or so, and... And if uh, we take it down, we good. If not, we're in the hijack. We're we'll probably out position after that with decent cards. I mean, I realize in big, big moments and stuff, under the gun, king queen, you're gonna want to fold them because they're they're trap hands. You don't want to play the marriage there. But uh, in this case, in a cash game, and everyone's kind of passive, sure, why not? Let's let's make a raise. We're we're up a little bit, and uh, and see what happens.
1: Yeah.
2: Now I know people out there are like Scott will never play king queen. <laughs> He'll never raise with it. This is a, a situation where I'm going to raise with it because of the table, right? Yeah. He mentioned it's a passive table. Obviously, we have this one guy. Um, I'm I'm assuming because he was described, he's going to end up being our villain here, so that's a little complicated. But, um, but if there's a table where I can raise and take hands left and right, I'm going to raise with a very wide range. And even though this is a trap hand, generally, I'm going to raise here. I've got... Three dead bets in the pot right now, plus the blinds behind me. That's a lot of money to take down with a with a hand like this. That could get me in trouble. So, I'm gonna take a raise and then be careful. If you know if all of them come along, that's a different story. But uh, but I think it's a a high percentage play of picking up the the pot here with a raise here. Yeah, kind of worth young kid is. I'd but. raise. All right. Um, uh, Vic says, again, I see no reason why a raise in position will not take down the pot right then and there. It's an it's an easy nine bucks. Yeah. I make it 13 to go. Our new young player on the button calls, and everyone else predictably folds. All right. So that was the one fly in the ointment, right? Yeah. Our young kid was after us. so, And he's got position on us, too, which that yeah. might have affected my decision a little bit Um but he's new to the table, so you know we might as well take a shot at it now and figure it out. And
0: the other thing too, though, is if we hit our flop and we can pretend to be weak, he said the guy likes to sense weakness and bet. So maybe we can get him to bluff at something too. So,
2: yeah, true. Yeah. All right, with thirty dollar in the pot and the break is accounted for, the flop is nine of hearts, five of clubs, tray of diamonds, and we are first to act.
0: Well, I mean, we took control of the hand, and we usually. Just continue to bet. They don't know we have King Queen. They don't know what we have. We could have nine we have tens for that's perfect. You know, I mean we they don't know what we have. So our job is to continue as if, you know, we raise with a hand and we don't need this flop. So I don't know, I'd bet what's in about thirty? I guess half, fifteen.
2: Alright. Uh yeah, this this flop doesn't seem like it would uh we should be worried about it at all. I mean you could have pocket nines, but that's really the only thing you could have here that I'm worried about at all. So as you said, we, we took control. It's expected for us to bet, and I feel comfortable betting. So, yeah. And then if we
0: and if he calls or raises, you reassess. But, you know, at this point, we got to represent what we're representing. So put some money out there and see what happens.
2: I'm certainly not if checking. I'm him, if I'm him, I'm raising like 80% of the time here, I think, because this is a board he knows is a board that probably missed us. We also, again, being the opponent, figure this is probably a board that missed us. Unless we have a high pocket pair, right? Right. Uh, so I'm going to raise just to find out just how strong we are, knowing that a lot of people at that point, if they did miss, will fold. So it's an interesting. It's the and this is funny because this morning I was watching our favorite Friends episode, right the the one where everybody finds out. Yeah. They don't know that I know that you know that you know. Right? Yeah, yeah. Same thing here. It's the same betting. You know, uh, I, I don't. I think. I think he missed, so I'm going to bet. Well, I think you missed, so I'm going to raise you and <laughs> just see where it ends, right? So, but yeah, so knowing that, I mean, but that, that's on our opponent. We can't predict that he's going to do that, so we're going to bet and find out what happens. So. Right, we're going to make a high percentage play here, and that's to bet. Uh, all right, uh, Vic says, I'm going to C-bet 80% of the time, as it's likely my opponent also missed this ragged flop and will fold. I bet half the pot $15, and my opponent quickly calls. So he doesn't believe us, but doesn't believe us enough to raise us.
0: Hmm. All right. Well, now we gotta we gotta hope we get hit on the turn or or whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean he calls, so it's not like he's going for a draw. We got nine five three rainbow, so he doesn't believe us, and he's floating, which he could be doing, or maybe he has a nine.
2: Yep, that's true. Um, uh, all right, with 58 in the pot, uh, the turn is the Queen of Diamonds. So our board is nine of hearts, five clubs, tray of diamonds, Queen of Diamonds. So we now have top pair in our first act again Ringo Rango Rongo. That's Ricky tikki Tapping. Oh, uh, Bingo Bango Bongo. I was getting them
0: confused. Yeah. Well, this is a sweet card for us because if they didn't believe us, now we've actually hit the card with second kicker. You know what I mean? Second best kicker. This is a sweet card for us. Um, I mean, I would just continue my, my normal. Hey, I was taking the lead. I had the lead, and now I'm still in the lead. And now I've hit the top pair with a really good kicker. Unless this guy's got a set. You know, there's no way I put my kings or aces. So
2: you could have ace, queen. That's the only thing, too. But I'm not worried enough not to bet. But.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The likelihood of two outer hitting for us on the turn is, is less of a concern. So I don't know. I'll bet what's in the pot? 58? 58, yep. I bet half before. I bet a little more than half because of the, uh, you know, almost two-thirds or whatever. So, I don't know, 40 maybe?
2: Yeah, I kind of like that. Um, I was going to do 32, but then I thought about you, and you're right, um, that we need to, to up it a little bit. And it uh, looks like Vic was, uh, had the same thought. He says, I have the lead in the hand, and, and there's no reason to give it up now. I bet $35, a little more than half the pot. My opponent thinks for a bit before raising the 90. Oof. 55 more for us to call and he has 70 behind. What do we do now?
0: <sighs> All right, so he called our raise. I don't know. Um, If he has a queen, the only queen we're losing to is ace queen. Uh, I feel like he doesn't believe us. I feel like he might have just been floating. Um, If he hit the nine, I don't know, I think maybe he raises us after that flop bet instead of now when the board gets better if he had two blanks like ace queen why would he have called our bet why would he just say oh, I called your raise I missed um, I'm not going to call a bet now to to hit ace queen or you know it's not like it's a limit poker where it's one small bet we're talking a decent sized bet here so it, the only thing I can think of is that he hit the nine didn't believe us or he was floating us and still doesn't believe us now he's trying to raise us off so I don't think I'm going anywhere I think I'm calling
2: yeah, it's uh we also at the beginning he described the player as the type that plays the player, right? Yeah. So I don't know that was foreshadowing, which you we're always worried about. You know, we want people to give us much as much information on the hands as possible, but sometimes it seems like it's foreshadowing, right? Yeah. So if that's the case and he's playing us, then you know, we talked about how I would've raised if I was him I would've raised the flop, but you're right, maybe it's better to float and then now raise the turn. So he could be still on air here and we gotta we have um obviously a made hand finally. Um and even if he has something like Queen Nine, which again I think if he had that he would raised – definitely would have raised this in the flop, right? But yeah. But even if that, we still have the out to the king to to improve. Plus um,
0: queen nine. Does a queen nine mm-hmm. really call a raise? I don't care. I guess you're on the button. Maybe you're just playing the player. If you're playing the player, then what are you raising but, for with queen nine? Just right, call again. Right, very game.
2: unlikely, I think. Because, again, yeah. if you have queen nine, you have to raise that flop, I think. But
0: you know. But, and if not, uh, why, why, then why not just call the turn notch you've made queens up top two? Let him keep betting into you. If he's going to bluff at you again, you might as well call just queen, queens and nines. And then if he doesn't bet on the river, then you make your bet. But to raise now to force him out? That there's no reason to with top two, so I don't believe Queen nine at all.
2: Um. So the other thing is, and I'm not this aggressive, and this is why I don't play cash. But, uh, but I, I think this is the right. I, I think the right move here is to shove. I think us or the other guy. Us. Oh, okay. No. Um. You know, he, he's kind of light behind. It's really it's going to be 125 for us to commit to this hand. Um. That'll put him all in. So if he's not as strong as he thinks he is. It might get him to fold, which is great. Um, um, but, you know, really the only hands that we can't... Uh, that we're dead to are sets now, right? So it's possible he could have had any of those cards on the flop. Um, pocket Queens is less likely, so... Um, but if he has you know ace queen, we've got outs. If he's got the queen nine that we thought was unlikely, we got outs. If he's got a lower two pair or something, we got outs. I just don't. Yeah, I don't.
0: I don't see a set. I just don't see a set because one, he could have after that flop raised us because he's hoping we have an overpair. A lot of people will do that when they when they hit their set, they'll bet into you or raise you because they're hoping for that one moment you have 500 bucks in front of you and you have aces and they flopped a set of trays so right. they'll do that and then if not on the turn not you're still betting and you're comfortably ahead you know if you hadn't you didn't do it on the flop now that you're you know you're still comfortably ahead why not just call and let him keep betting into you and on the river if he doesn't bet then you get your money and so i really feel like we're not against the set either i and I don't know about shoving though, Scott, because I think that I really want to get value out of this. Yeah. If this guy keeps calling <laughs> okay. my bets, why scare him away? You know, and then in the end you just make sort of a value bet. And then if he... All
2: right, well, yeah, you could be right, but uh, how do you do it on the river? So it goes now he raised, now we just call. Now do you put out a value bet on the river yeah. and then fold if he has nothing? How or many times you... how many times if have they we they done that
0: it, where are you're out. like let's let's Stave off any kind of bet by making a blocking bet here and, and put a little bit out there. And then, because at this point, I'm happy with my top two. I mean, this guy only has like, uh, he only started with two, how much? 200? Yeah. So if we've put 13 in and then we've put in, what did he bet then? He bet uh, 15. So that's 28. And then now he's raised to 90. So he's only got like 70 left. So if I put in a bet that's smallish, you know, he's either going to call because he's got something he likes, he's going to fold or he's going to shove, and there's no way I'm folding for a shove, so he wouldn't shove to bluff us. So he's either going to call, and if he fo- shoves, then we know we're, we might be beat. If he doesn't shove, you know, you got to wait for 15, bu- you got to wait for $25 if he shoved, and if he folds, you weren't going to get any money out of him anyway. I think you make a smallish bet like 30 or so. On the end, if, if if blank comes, if something well, I, like a yeah, nine comes, I, guess I don't that's know what. what it is. I'm
2: saying is, if he is on air here, we might have a chance of him. Well, well he if he stops. shoves on air, you're not getting anything. But if he's got a, like a like a nine or a five um, or a tray and thinks he might be good or something, maybe he calls here. Whereas if we wait to the river and put that bet out and he has nothing at that point, then maybe he goes away. I guess that's a good query on how we get the most value. Of course, now we're assuming that we're winning right now, too. It's possible to right. we'll crush, too. But um, I don't know. I, I think I'd like to have him overcommit on the turn rather than take a chance of squeezing that money on the river. But, so
0: if he was bluffing and made it 90 to go, which it could have been, and we shove, you are only getting 70 out of him anyway. I, I just don't...
2: I, so there's he, only 70 more for us to get any. Right. I guess so, I mean... Think because he's already committed the fifty-five that we were going to call. So whether we call or raise, that money's still in the pot, and that's just a matter of whether he puts the other seventy in or not. Um.
0: Yeah, seventy. I, I, I just, I think I just call, and then if I shove, if he doesn't, ha- I don't know. Is. Maybe, no, because you know what that's true too. Is if, if you put a if he has value
2: he's not gonna he's not gonna call either way. I mean, our only chance if he has nothing right now is that he picks up something on the river that he feels good about. So that's why I want to get to the river. He would be a king or an ace, which we don't. Well, a king we want to see, but an ace we don't want to see. So I don't know. I mean, it seems to me. I, I think I'd rather just take my chance now and shove and.
0: But. Yeah, I don't know. I think I. I think I call. I think I call and then feel out what the river card is, and think about what I want to do with him. I mean, I, I, for me, it felt like this guy was the weakness bet there, and so if if he was bet- betting uh, that we were gonna fold, he thought we were weak, and we didn't, you know, shoving. We're not. We're only gonna get called by a better hand if we shove, but if we just call him and then on the river, if it's a dangerous card, we reassess. If it's a blank, we put out a value bet and say, "Ha!" Huh. And then maybe the guy likes his nine. You know, and calls the value bet. I don't know. I, I just I shoving shoving's only gonna have a, a negative reaction for me. You, just, the shove only does is protect you on the river in case he hits an ace or something. And I, I just don't see an ace going any further unless it had ace nine. So I don't know. That's a very specific hand to not be afraid of on the river. Um so I'm I betting. mean you
2: could have something like Queen Jack or Queen Ten or something like that, where now he thinks that we're brutalizing him. Yeah. Though you're probably right that that hand will probably call our ripper value bet as well too hmm. interesting
0: and when queen right. jack and queen 10 survived our flop first a pre-flop raise and then the flop bet you know unless he's floating and then just happens to hit that card so I don't know too many ifs there to yeah. to, to make me want to do that so I think I'm going to call and then maybe value bet the river if it's blank
2: all right. Let's let Vic break the tie here. Okay. Uh, uh, what does my opponent have? He called my raise from the button. Even with a wide range, he couldn't have hit much of that flop unless he flopped a set. But why raise now? He can't be scared of the backdoor diamond draw or some odd straight draw. I conclude that he had he either has a queen or thinks that I missed the flop, C-bet, and now I'm just continuing on the turn. If it's a ladder and I raise, he's going to fold. As a set or a better queen, maybe queen's up. He's going to snap call, and I'm way behind. So raising isn't a good move, but neither is folding. I take it over a bit, and when I call, he looks an, he looks a little nervous. Hmm. All right. All right. Probably. This is why I suck at no limit cash. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with 238 in the pot, the river is the seven of clubs. Final board is nine of hearts, five of clubs, tray of diamonds, queen of diamonds, seven of clubs. And we are first to act. Well, he's only got 70.
0: You know what I mean? And if you just put them all in, then what are you gaining? You have to hope he has a hand that's good enough to call 70, but just worse enough to beat one pair. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and checking, he might shove 70, and then I'm like, do I really want to call 70 with one pair? But if I put up a blocking bet, I'd feel a little better. Uh, plus that whole nervous line, you know, maybe he'll – maybe if he's got the ace-nine that we talked about, maybe – he. Says, all right, 25 to win. He's getting 10 to 1 on his money. I only got to be right one time out of 10. You know, maybe I'll call. And and that also, if you're betting 25 and he only has 70, he knows you're not going to fold for 45 more. So you're not bluffing. So he's not going to re bluff you for $45 to win at that point, would be 300 and something. So 320 or whatever. So I. I'd put a smallish bet in there, hope he has ace nine or even queen ten or queen jack, and we take down a nice little pot.
2: Interesting. Yeah, I think uh, I don't think he has much here. So, um, and we don't have a ton either, but um, I, I I think we might have a better chance of getting more value by checking and letting him bluff one last time at it. He's only got 70 left, so you know he's already thinking, hey, I've committed my entire stack here, so it's ride-or-die time, I think. So if we check, then he's going to shove the whole thing. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and call. It could be wrong, but I'll call and and hopefully we'll, you know, – I think we're both in agreement that we, we think we have the best hand here, right? So it's just a matter of how we get the most. I mean, I guess your play is an insurance policy, right, where you bet half of that and then he just calls that, and if he has his beat, then we saved ourselves – Thirty five bucks, right?
0: Well I just know that if I check and he shoves, because he's been bluffing us on the turn, I I don't know for sure he is, but do I really want to call seventy with just a one pair? That's the thing. But if I bet twenty five, he's gonna think there's no way this guy's bluffing. He has to have me beat. You know, so he's got my ace nine beat. Or not but I mean I don't know what he thinks, but he might call twenty five. He knows shoving isn't gonna get us to fold. So we can't be bluffed. I guess that's the insurance policy too, is that we really can't be bluffed now. And so you take that out of the equation. So if he shoves after that, you know you're probably beat, but you're not going to lay it down for forty-five. I don't know. I I just feel like if I'm going to get any money out of this guy, it's going to be. I don't think he's going to bluff. I don't think he thinks we can fold for seventy dollars for with two thirty, something two forty in the pot or whatever. So I I don't think I don't think this guy is going to shove on us, but he might. He might be desperate and shove. I just don't know if I want to call seventy for just a pair of queens.
2: I, right. I I think this is a Jack Nicholson moment. I I think this guy wants to shove. <laughs> I think he Jeez. just he hates my you know his girly white uniform. and He wants to shove on me because he's just that type of player. So I don't know. I maybe I'm being too reckless here, but that's why I think I want to check and let him go all uh, John McLean on me and then uh, let me pop him. So
0: right, well, I'm gonna bet mouth. I'm gonna bet like uh, thirty bucks, twenty five, something like that. I'm gonna bet somewhere around there. Just to try to get him to say, all right, you know, I give up, or I can call with my 9-10. All
2: right. Uh, Vic says, if I check, I suspect he'll shove. Do I want to call $70 with top pair and a king kicker? Jeez. He looked nervous when I called his raise on the turn, so maybe it was a bluff, and he's going to give up and check back the river. But maybe he has a smaller queen or even a hand like ace-9 or 10-9 suited or a flop-top pair. A value bet might be in order. I decide that a small $25 bet might be best. You guys share a brain. That's really scary. Yeah, this whole
0: hand. This is crazy because I'm always <laughs> way off with him.
2: <laughs> uh, he'll fold his bluff since he's only got $70 behind. The extra $45 is not enough to get him, uh, get me to fold if he shoves. Maybe it's kind of a blocker bet in case he has ace-queen. He doesn't look too happy but gives me a call anyway. I table my hand, and he gives his cards one last look before tossing him in the muck. As we rake in the $288 Bet or pot, I can only assume that he had a nine or a weaker queen.
0: Wow, we got the call, too. Yeah, it was crazy. When you think about every street, I was pretty much right around what he was doing. This is crazy. I mean, we were always way off, and he loves to make fun of me and everything, and that was crazy. I feel pretty good. I haven't played poker in ages, either. Maybe That's the key <laughs> for me, is to not play.
2: <laughs> so now here's the question, is that had we checked, would he have shoved on us, do you think? Yeah, I... I I don't Without knowing know. his cards, we don't know. But um, maybe. and if he had one of those things, then maybe he thinks he has showdown value. That we were just bluffing along, or not bluffing along, but you know, coming along and. But I really do think I really do think he 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 wanted to steal this pod from us.
0: Yeah, it seems like he wanted to shove now because it, you're right because, the call means he had something, and if we finally check on the river and give up. He may shove, but then he also may be like, "All right, I got showdown value. Here's yeah. my ace nine.
2: It's a fifty fifty right there. I think, right? Yeah, I'm gonna
0: save my seventy and hope I could double through on the next hand or double up whatever. And so, yeah, I don't know. That's that is fifty fifty. I don't I don't think he shoves though. I, I mean, maybe he does. Even even you know, I don't want to go against Vic. Vic said he thinks he would shove if we checked. So I agree with Vic. I think he might shove if we check. So. <laughs>
2: Right, so so being result oriented, we uh, we left some money on the table there.
0: Yeah, yeah, we might have left some money if if that's the case. <laughs> but uh, I tell you what, with King Queen, and we weren't sure if we we're going to. Some people weren't sure if you'd play that hand. you Ended up making almost three hundred bucks on it. Right. Well, not making three hundred, but yeah. yeah, pretty sweet. I'm Chris Casenza,
1: and I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the table. AntiUp is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the PodSafe Music Network.